Hi, I'm Lisa Hammer from the Venture Brothers. I play Triana. And if I'm listening to pirate radio, it's only Hench Life Pirate Radio. I will listen to nothing else. It was the only show I will listen to. All the other ones are just trash. Are you stealing shingles again? No, I got a pirate radio set at the swap meet, so I will bring to this neighborhood a non-stop talk alternative. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Too bad there's only 24 hours in a day. Or is there? Who's in the box? Were either of you guys uncertain about anything just now? Fuck oh, Oh, what's in the box? What's in the box, Rodinger? Um, a cat. We're entirely hypothetical. There's also a lot of drugs in there. The three of us are lost in a timeless oblivion. The cat is alive or dead? Alive or dead? What's in the fucking box? Welcome out, ladies and gentlemen, to Unified Fan Theory, where we get together to discuss all of your favorite pop culture tinfoil excitables, lay awake at night, can't sleep thinking about when Mephisto's showing up kind of people. That's right. We're the people who stay up too late wondering why Ewoks already had a Leia size dress. We wonder which MCU characters are scrolls. And maybe you're the kind of person who thinks, how many unseen adventures could the doctor have in a single episode? Or how many casualties or survivors are there on Pond Far Night at the Vulcan nightclub in San Francisco? If questions like this keep you awake at night, you can join your hosts, us, as they discover, compile, compare, dissect, contrast, deconstruct, confirm, destroy, and even create fan theories from all your favorite pop culture fandoms. I'm your host, Dr. Savage Poppenheimer. Now I am become depth destroyer of continuity. We're also joined by our co-host, Spockter Beast McCoy, resident Spocktologist and master of Japanese Zazing. And of course, your third co-host, resident Thick Grayson, just like his marriage, the third one's important. So let's go ahead and get started on this, the very first episode of Marvel's Loki, premiering today on Disney+. Plus. I gotta admit, I was absolutely just thrilled with this whole episode. So before we launch into specifics, gentlemen, what did you think so far? Uh, three for three so far, man. They're bringing the heat. Um, you know, I was a little worried after Falcon and Winter Soldier because that one had a different pacing. You know, it felt like it wasn't bringing the WandaVision magic, and then it did. Um, whereas Loki's right back to, you know, bam, out of the gate, like... Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be a great ride. Like a lot of fun stuff. I, I'm already loving Owen Wilson. Right. <laughs> he's the most likable guy in the Marvel universe. And he's been on screen a total of what? Like 30 <laughs> minutes. Like Jimmy Woo, take a seat. Uh, oh man. That's what we need is a short of them just having lunch. Right. I paid to watch that. I'm willing to bet Mobius has car tricks too, or at the very least would be thrilled to learn them. He sat there resetting him, walking around Jimmy, trying to figure out how he did the trick. Like, just looking at it from different angles. <laughs> like, Can you stop making me do the trick? <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get into this. The, our show opens pretty much exactly where everyone knew it was going to because they had already shown us. And that is Avengers 2012, immediately interspliced with Avengers Endgame. And it picks up with essentially Loki getting the Tesseract and transporting off. And he ends up right in Mongolia, just like we noticed earlier. And I got to tell you, he, he lands, he gets up, he sees people there and they're like, why are you in our home? And Loki notice he tries to find the highest elevation he can in the nearby area to like be appear as grand as possible. And he's like, I am burdened with glorious purpose, the title of this week's episode. And he starts trying to explain to them why he is going to have to be their ruler now, right? Well, that's... I love that his first instinct is subjugation. Yes, yes. 
Like I'm new here. Hi, I'm Loki. I'm here to subjugate you. Hi, my name is your new ruler. Uh, and that's when the Time Variance Authority shows up. Not the Tennessee Valley Authority or, ten or the Harper Valley PTA. No, no, no. It's the Time Variance Authority. And their job, as we are about to learn, is to maintain the sacred timeline. And that is immediately what they charge him with, arresting him for crimes against the sacred timeline. Loki is not having it. And per our... Um, I guess, uh, insight into why they were cutting that scene early in the preview. The fight scene was awesome and not what we expected. Yes, Loki gets his butt kicked in an awesome and hilarious way. It is a one move takedown. And uh, <laughs> could, you, uh, could you explain what it is that takes place? Well, and it, it, God, man, this is actually brilliant. Uh, you don't really see a lot of neat sci-fi mechanism like this that makes you giddy, but like a weapon where when you slap somebody with it, it makes them move at one sixteenth the pace of time, but experience it at a hundred percent. Like uh, it's the was it the the one drug from uh, from Dread? Yeah, it's like that, but like Slow in a mo. stick. Yeah, <laughs> like. A much more, uh, uh, a Three Stooges version of slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. pretty remarkable. Nice. Pretty remarkable. And just watching his face, like she hits him across the face with the stick and his face, like he immediately slows down super slow and his lips are just like matriculating across his face. Like the, the vibrations, are just, it, it was, it was ridiculous. It was ludicrous. And then they pick him up and take him to the gateway where the small reveal on that was so good. Cause you watch it and you're like, is this slow motion? Like, yeah, no, he's okay. They're clearly Zack Snyder fans. Uh, but then she walks into the frame <laughs> at real time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. So from there uh, he gets taken into, I guess, essentially what is like central booking. And this is where we get to meet Eugene Cordero, who is quickly becoming one of the standouts for me in this series. Like in a lot of ways, he's fulfilling some of the same uh, function as uh, Jimmy Woo, right? Like he's this, uh, he's a, essentially like a bureaucratic functionary, right? But except this guy, is at a much lower level. And it's it, there's a naivety to the character that is just endearing and a genuine, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if I wanna say authenticity. It, it's just, it's played so straight that the quirks and quibbles, you know, like the little idiosyncrasies that almost like wide-eyed, um, I don't even know what word I'm looking for here. Well, you, you uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but immediately out of the gate, you get the sense he's never been outside of the no. same building. Like, yeah. and he plays that before you find that out. Um, like, you know, this is his whole world. <laughs> like, this desk, like the whole bit. Um, and, and he also uh, had a great cameo in one of the best episodes of, uh, you know, Mandalorian. Um, like Marvel, the House of Mouse is a is a big fan of this guy, um, and I, I completely see why. Um, he, he he can play it really well, well. and I love that uh, he, he takes the Tesseract from the TV the TVA agent, the Hunter. He takes the Tesseract and who tells him to log this as evidence, right? And he says, "What is this?" And Loki, of course, says, "It's the Tesseract. Be careful; it's very valuable." And as he's walking off, Eugene says. It sounds dumb, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what if I been just that little moment, like the Tesseract, it's very valuable, very powerful. It sounds stupid. This was Marvel learning uh, a beat from uh, the Russos who did the work on Community before they got picked up uh, into the universe and everything. And they've been slowly always kind of pulling Community members uh into the cast and everything um 
I'm going to blank on everybody's actual names, but Shirley shows up in um, Endgame. Uh, Danny Pudi going to get one of the real names in there. Uh, he showed up in um, Winter Soldier. Uh, he's in um, the headquarters right at the end when Cap's uh, breaking back in. Watch um, the main it's, bad it's guy for little... this entire series is it like isn't anyone we speculated? It's Je- it's Chevy Chase. That I would. I pay all the money. <laughs> I, I'm wondering when Joel McHale's going to make his appearance. That dude is just a delight. Actually, Joel McHale could be the out smuggier version <laughs> of Loki, like a variant of Loki who's even. Yeah, I could see that. When oh, was dude, it? He would Dick. make a great Wonder Woman, <laughs> right? I, I, yeah. I think we'd have to get him oh. on uh, the Shazam diet. Chicken and broccoli, <laughs> bitch. Let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like. Him and Zachary uh, Levi are going to be like, you know, accountability buddies. So, accountability. did you guys see the new? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> we get to, as they're taking him in, she, the TVA agent, uh, the hunter, takes him into the elevator. And this was one of my favorite scenes. All right. There were a couple of standouts, but this one was awesome. He gets in the elevator. Of course, there's this thing in the back. It's kind of hidden in shadow. Of course, you come to find out it's not just like something, it's something. Okay, it's this essentially what looks like an old CRT, like 1960s, 1970s television, right? On four, with four arms on like these giant pillar legs. And it's got like a smiley face, like a cathode ray tube, like pong looking smiley face. And it kind of looks like the, uh, the, the Spider-Man counterpart from uh, Penny Parker. Yes. Like in uh, yes. Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it looks a lot yeah. like that. Except simultaneously more like bureaucratic and menacing in its own way. Like this thing goes from adorable to menacing in one fleen, uh, screen flash. Like it, it, it was striking. It starts trying to take Loki's cape off. And Loki's like, no, this is fine Asgardian leather. And then you hear this nice voice say, hold still. And then a ray gun comes out and shoots him and disintegrates all his clothes. So then immediately after that, he drops through the floor of the elevator. It's an elevator that doesn't move. You move out of the elevator into uh, now fully. It's a Russian elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Russia elevator moves you. Well, that's, yes, yes. And it's all very, it's very like, old school kind of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, he drops into the room where we get to watch him sign for everything he's ever said. And the, like, just the way this scene plays out is just delightful. You can tell every time Loki speaks, the guy hates it to reach over and grab another piece of paper off this dot matrix printer and put it on top. And then he has to say, and this, when that guy's own, like when that guy dies and he has to sign for all his stuff, it's just going to be awful because how many of those pages are just going to be him saying, and this, and this, and this, and this, right? Yeah. Like punctuated by like every, I don't know, like one millionth page by, all right. So this is everything you've ever said. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, and of course, eventually Loki catches on and we it's Oh hang on. We need to talk really talk about this guy in his cat mug for just a second. <laughs> you see the cat and then they're like hit that cat mug hard. Like <laughs> Okay, did anyone else think flirking right away? My yes. my initial thought was flirking. I was like, holy shit, we're gonna get it, and then they just moved right on. I was like, God oh, damn. Well, and they even uh, give you like a scroll in the waiting room uh, not long, I think maybe the, the next scene after that. Um, or maybe it was before and stuff. Uh, and I love the idea that scrolls are like, what the fuck's a cat? <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean so, to like, so uh, does that mean that any like, shall we say like decrepit cat lady on the streets of uh, New York City could immediately be transported to uh, the home of the scrolls and immediately become so, their ruler so- because everyone would be so afraid of her? In my mind, like you know, there there are obviously scrolls walking around in, among us in the, the the cinematic universe now, and they see a cat lady, and they're just like, "Holy shit, that's a flirting tamer." <laughs> <laughs> well, 
he he manages to sign for everything that he said, and then he gets dropped down again into what turned out to be, per our guests earlier, a scanner. And this led to one of the, uh, the more Douglas Adams moments in the entire series when he's like, oh, this is, uh, you are organic, right? You're not a robot. No, I'm not a robot. He's like, yeah, a lot of people don't know that they're robots. He's like, wait, how many people don't know that they're robots? Like, and then he starts having this deep, like, do a lot, do, do a lot of people not know that they're robots? Like, it's like, he's trying to psych himself up before he walks in. He's like, what, what happens to my robot? Oh, it'll melt you from the inside out. He's like, I'm not a robot. I'm not a robot. I'm not a robot as he steps in and it takes like an aura picture. <laughs> <laughs> right and uh yeah from there he heads over to take a ticket now this is everything that you'd expect out of the world's worst dmv all right he walks up there's no one there there's an armed guard with one of these like slow-mo six sticks and they he says take a ticket now there's somebody else in there with him and this person refuses to take a ticket it's like oh no i'm too badass i'm gonna take it a ticket and to walk on up loki eventually after much back and forth decides to take a ticket and like ugh, like just unhappily puts it in his pocket and then starts working his way through the stanchions again this massive line of stanchions you know what it was like it was like shrek Remember in Shrek where they walk up to uh, Castle Duloc and like there's the guy with the giant uh, Farquaad head and Shrek walks up and this guy tries to run away and he runs away through the stanchions back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and Shrek just walks <laughs> through it. Uh, that's kind of how this was in the sense like, you know, Loki's just walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, eventually gets up to the front where the dude who did not take a ticket is asked for his ticket. And this guy immediately starts lying. I, d I asked for one, but the guy wouldn't give me one. And then the dude hits him with the stick and disintegrates old dude. Loki. Uh, at, at risk of uh, using a, uh, you know, a great Indiana Jones line, no ticket. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, at which point, and another one of my little favorite beats here, Loki immediately starts scrambling through every pocket on his outfit, desperately looking for that ticket and holding it up like, <laughs> not dying today. <laughs> exactly like that Indiana Jones scene. So this is also where we get that uh, the brief rundown, the public safety announcement, if you will, uh, about the TVA. And can you give us a rundown on that? Uh, so the TVA, uh, the Time Variance Authority, uh, were actually created by, you know, the, the timekeepers who uh, are very much alluded to be the living tribunal. Um, and so they exist outside of time to maintain time. But what we find out here is uh, actually there was a multiverse and now there isn't. They actually unified the time stream. Um, so I think that that's the whole point of the, the Loki series, um, and we'll talk about that later on, is, uh, you know, somebody's there to mess up the, you know, the unification of the, you know, the sacred time stream. Like, you know, uh, these guys did a lot of hard work putting it in together and making sure, you know, realities don't collide, because apparently realities used to fight each I, other. And this, exci oh, this excited me. I was like, oh, like, this is a lot of comic book events that, like, I want to see. Uh, you know, uh, contest of champions, uh, or even like the incursion stuff for like you know the the made the 2015 Secret Wars, like yeah, no, I mean you get a lot of juicy little tidbitty Easter eggs, um, you know, just in that little bit, and yeah, it kind of tells you where you are in the the span of things where there was a multiverse. These guys funneled it into one, and that's kind of the status quo and uh you know as per the rules of television the status quo is not going to sit no, there no, I, I actually disagree with uh, your statement on this i don't think it's saying that there's not a multiverse i think it's saying that the that like you could still have a multiverse and a single flow of time like dr strange now uh, dormammu obviously took place outside of time and you know mm. i don't in game says you can't though i'm sorry like that's the problem is in game says you can't uh that like you know the second you start breaking time, 
uh, it starts branching off these splinter realities. Because again, like, you know, as a, as an observer in time, if you go back to the past, your past is now in your future, like, you know, from where you were, so et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, that, that splits off a whole thing. So their whole point is, and they even calling it, you know, in the episode is pruning, you yes. know, snipping off the branches. Um, so it seems like there were a lot of branches at some point. So maybe it is a multiverse and it's just less dense. No, it's not that the multiverse is like less dense. The... the impression that I got was that, like, I don't think that there's anything that we've heard so far that means there is no multiverse. And I don't necessarily know that Loki, the events that are going to play out in the series are going to open up the multiverse in the same way. Like, it's not like there's only one reality and then it splits and it goes from there. Like we've already seen that there are multiple multiverses, but the time stream through which they all move is consistent. So when they're pruning these different multiverses, they're keeping one time stream. So essentially the way I'm looking at it is you've got one time stream per multiverse that doesn't have anything to do with the number of multiverses. Well, uh, Dr. Strange gives us layers of reality. Um, and to me, that's more like realms of existence. Realms. Um, realms. Realms <laughs> of existence. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, granted, we could postulate on this you know, all damn day long. So we need to keep it moving. Uh, I'm sure we'll this have- is, This uh, is some whiteboard real quick, theory stuff. We, we, we need a big giant quick, whiteboard. My favorite, with part, lines. <laughs> my favorite part of that little uh, PSA was the Scooby-Doo running bongos. <laughs> I genuinely felt bad that I didn't have a bowl of cereal when that came <laughs> right. on. Cause like that just took me right back into some like 1960s Hanna-Barbera watching. That was pleasant. <laughs> so we get to- then bounce over to 1549 in Provence, France, okay? And we've got another Minuteman team that has been assassinated, apparently. And Owen Wilson's there, and as soon as he says the word stab wounds, we know exactly who the bad guy is, right? Uh, he says, you know... No, we know who they want us to think the yeah, bad guy is. Yeah, we know, we know, we know. Well, uh, okay, so here's my thing. They follow up by interviewing the girl in front of this strategically placed pane glass window with a fucking devil on it. So, A, these guys are great for stirring the pot. <laughs> like, like, it's about oh, Fisto. Oh, thought Miss Fisto was in WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> but the horns on the devil very much look like the, the Loki yeah. crown. Um, so, it's a very good coy play. Like I watched, I saw it and I immediately got frustrated with how brilliant they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, you know, it made me wonder if they'd gone back and refilmed this part to add that. They're like, "Oh, you guys like Mephisto, huh?" <laughs> oh, also, uh, being a, a purveyor of, of Fine's menswear, did you notice Mobius's suit? I, I wasn't actually the no. uh, the lapel is inverted; it doesn't sit on the outside. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, it, it's really neat and like keeps up with the whole art direction, like. The outfits in WandaVision and, I mean, even Falcon Winter Soldier uh, were amazing, but they are definitely, like, keeping snuff up, you know, in this show. All right. Well, I also like that uh, they also speak every language in the timeline. So, like, he speaks French. Like, they, they all have to speak every single language. I thought that was a really neat uh, neat thing. I made it the uh the big guy coming back with him with like you know i speak every other yeah. language too right like yeah, i know, I know what you just said idiot. that was that was nice yeah. nice nice little touch so then we get to find out that the kid when he smiles or she smiles has blue teeth and owen wilson's mobius asks about it and the kid pulls out kablooey gum he's like ah bearing gifts from there we bounce over to the arraignment where Loki is getting charged and has to plead guilty or not guilty. He claims that he's guilty of being a badass. He's guilty of being a trickster of time. And he's guilty of this. And he like flexes, throws his arms out. And everybody in the room just laughs. He's like, hold on, hold on. It's like, I, you, you know, I can't go when you watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, nobody yeah. look, I died. Like it fell on the floor. <laughs> and he's trying to do his magic. It's clearly not working. Everybody's laughing at him. And that's when Owen Wilson comes up to essentially enlist Loki. And this is where we get to the meat of this episode, right? 
the interview that Owen, that Mobius gives Loki as they're kind of sitting there watching his life play out. I don't remember what, uh, I think it was an 80s or 90s movie, but essentially like when you die, you're, they play your whole life out. And then like a team of people decide whether or not you're worthy of taking your place in the afterlife. And it was kind of the same thing. Like it's your entire life. And Owen Wilson is trying to get Loki to really examine who he is. And uh, Beast, you actually had really good insight into the Marvel structure. And I was wondering if you could lay that out for us. So one thing I've noticed is uh, there are three elements to Marvel television that seem to work very successfully. And as Thick Grayson so astutely pointed out, after Endgame going into phase four, Everybody, like, they're picking characters at the bottom of the emotional barrel. Like, these people are not going through a great time. So, number one, you have to have an identity crisis, right? Uh, number two, you have to uh, not only have, like, that identity crisis, but, like, you know, you, that identity crisis has to lead you to, like, a, a big mental breakdown. And then number three, you have to have a therapist. Every show that they've had has had a therapist analog. So in WandaVision, you've got Geraldine, and then Agnes is a little bit more hardcore. And then in, uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you have a literal therapist, and then Baron Zemo, which was fucking brilliant, by the way. And here you have Mobius, who is here to systemically and bureaucratically break down and understand Loki. Well... And actually, real quick, just to bounce back for just one second, one of the most interesting lines in that entire arraignment session was her saying, it's not your story, Mr. Loki. It never was. And the, yeah, that shit's really zen. Yeah, like here in Loki's story, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Um, they also get a shot of the inside of whatever cavern they're in, right? They actually see this like beautiful 19... 60s 1970s like fine sci-fi art futurescape and loki's impressed right and loki's impressed uh, um according and they haven't name checked it yet but uh according to the the marble wiki this is the called the null time zone so it exists as a place but outside of time got it jermam is their neighbor um we also get that sweet right. elevator scene where Loki's like, I don't like to talk. And it's like, no, you like to lie, which you're doing right now, because you both know you love to talk. Talky, talky. The simultaneous, like, respect and utter disregard for Loki's self-image is one of my favorite parts about Mobius's treatment of this character. Uh, oh, dude, when they're talking later and he's like, uh, you know, I'm smart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Like when he forces him to have to yeah. blurt out, I'm well, smart. Says, oh, you know, I, I, I like the metaphor. It makes you sound smart. And he's like, well, I am smart. Y yeah. <laughs> well, and this interview is just gorgeous. They're playing the things out and they're playing out the moments of his life. And it's just really, he's asking over and over again, you know, it looks like you're really enjoying hurting that person. Like, why are you, why do you enjoy hurting him? And you know, he keeps kind of not answering, right? But then they get interrupted by the hunter that we ran into earlier. Uh, what was her name? Uh, hunter B-12. That's Hunter B-15. And she comes in. She's like, oh, I need to talk to you for a second. Well, that is exactly the opportunity Loki needs because when Mobius comes back in, Loki is gone. Loki has made a break for it, and he is out and about. He's trying to get back to the Tesseract. He manages to find uh, our character, Eugene Cordero, who I, I don't, I'm not sure if he's named or not, uh, but he managed to find Eugene Cordero pushing his little cart through, right? And he follows him in and manages to say, like, you know, if you don't give me the test right, I'll cut you like a fish. And this guy's like, what's a fish? <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, I want to know what you're comparing me to before I comply, <laughs> right? Well, and this was the moment they really kind of established that like he really just lived behind that desk whatever they whatever created them or put them there or whatever he has literally just been living behind there he has no real world yeah. experience this this is his well, and you know we gotta we actually got a little insight into that too because when he was talking to mobius he says you you were created by the timekeepers to fulfill this function like there's a there was a slight hint 
that maybe these are not people who've been plucked out of their lives or variants who have been given a second chance. These are people who've been created for this specific role. So I thought. Well, and uh, one of the things I think is interesting is in terms of like, you know, philosophy and Marvel, uh, they're very much telling you that like their universe has a predestination. You have a predestined fate. Like going back to the interview, when he lays out what Loki's true function is, you are the asshole that people overcome so then they become the better versions of themselves. Dude, that was hard. Like, I was like, wow, like that is, that. yeah, that's, you, you want to talk about like Zen practice and busting down ego? I just need to hang out with this guy for like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> like, screw the hours of meditation. Just, nah, man, like, you're way too into like, you know, internet porn and Legos. Chill out. <laughs> You know, I was, I was going to destroy my ego by watching End of Evangelion, but I'm just going to hang out with Owen Wilson. Boom, enlightenment. So we've got <laughs> this, like, you know, Loki gets into the cart, gets the, he opens up the drawer, take, takes the Tesseract, and then looks inside, and there are like 30 Infinity Stones sitting in the cart. There's another Tesseract. There's a bunch of Mind Stones. There's a whole bunch of like uh, Soul Stone. Like, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's just all the, all the Infinity Stones are just sitting in there. At which point Loki realizes. <laughs> Here's the most important thing. The most emotionally shattering thing that Marvel has ever shown you. And it's a fucking paperweight. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're the most important things ever, and they don't count here. And I love that because now this big thing is now even it's it's like Loki. He just found out how small he is. We just found out how the you know small the the Marvel you know cosmology really is. Like where we've been playing around is just a tiny bit. And then like there's a whole big thing where dudes like yeah we got lots of Infinity Stones. He's even picking like the Time Stone up like it matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it matters. It's like, oh yeah, a lot of people use them as paperweights. And the realization that the infinity gems are not the ultimate power in the universe makes him really, really despondent. And like this is this is the moment where the transmutation of Loki starts settling in. Like this is actually the moment when things start changing. Like we saw Loki's entire character development through all the other films, right? We saw Loki going from being a bad guy to being the guy who's willing to sacrifice himself for his brother in Endgame. And they've managed to accomplish all of that in one drawer. <laughs> it was it, it just incredible. So Loki realizing that the Infinity Gems are not the ultimate power of the universe He heads back to the room where he was doing the interview, right? He has the little clicker that allows him to kind of like control his time state. So he just kind of flips the clicker, pops back into the room that he was in, where he, keep, he kept getting reset to the chair that is no longer there, right? And walks over to the other chair, sits down in front of the console and starts playing out the future that he's supposed to lead. What actually happens to him? Well, and this is like that one of those things, like if somebody could show you the rest of your whole life, would you want to know? Would you really want to know? Like, mm. I mean, he, he went through some stuff, uh, you know, emotionally compressed. Like he watched his mom die. Okay. And then he watched himself die. Imagine watching your own death and like, uh, about this whole variant thing. How long can I stay here? Well, and being responsible for your mom's death. Like when Mobius shows him that he intentionally leads the dark elves to his mother, like that's. Well, uh, freaking. unintentionally, like he thought it was Thor or know, whatever. He said but he like, could have led action... them to Thor, but he led them to his mom right. instead. Well, and uh, for the sake of balance here, like he also does go through and see some good moments that he had with Odin, like, which was clearly like a hard pressed relationship. And then he sees like, you know, the actual relationship he ends up having with Thor, which is the relationship he wanted, you know? So he does get a little bit of like, you know, existential mm. satisfaction that way, but it's all bit, like, it's all bittersweet. 
Well, and this definitely was a bit where he's sort of looking at himself and they're kind of trying to dissect him and there's the whole element of uh, trying to pick Loki apart, trying to possibly figure out this hooded guy. Um, the one that just really stuck to me, though, was the fact that the, the blue gum turned the teeth blue and whenever they've kind of always hinted back towards Loki being um, his arc and how much the parents have played in it. You guys are talking here about the mom shows up, sweet moments with dad. He's an ice frost giant, whatever the, the correct terminology is there, escaping me. But <laughs> What's cooler than being cool? Frost giants! <laughs> <laughs> so just the, the, the simple fact that we end up with the kid like all of a sudden just flashing us some blue teeth and it's sort of that, those, uh, they haven't done it in a while, but whenever Loki does kind of turn blue, I'm just like, okay, if we're going to call this a variant possibly of Loki, is like this going to be the Loki that never went to Asgard. This was the always a frost giant child. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to pick the angle that they're going to be going with this because I feel like the Loki as the villain in his own piece where he's also his own hero, it's got the emotional weight, but they're going to have to do something tricky and cool with it. So uh, we've already kind of been talking about the um, female Loki like ice frost giant loki possibly as a villain i, I i'm trying to i'm trying to pick where they're going with this but i want to see fat loki <laughs> like with fat thor like, <laughs> like you find out like fat loki was like the the other guy playing the game the whole time. <laughs> like... oh and of course uh man db cooper loki. yes yeah that was I mean, oh, not technically we... "quote unquote" a variant, but like, I love that occasionally, in modern times, Norse gods are like, "Yeah, let's go fuck with them a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> like, we're still subject to the whims of like gods on a drunk bet. Because I heard he called out Heimdall. Did he also yeah, call out Thor? Thor? It was the Heimdall he's... brother. I hope you're ready. Yeah. Okay. It was, but so it was. Uh, uh, everybody's in on the game. Well, and this got me thinking. So, for anyone who doesn't know who DB Cooper was, it is one of the most famous unsolved robberies in U.S. history. Uh, this guy gets on a plane, takes the plane hostage, demands a bunch of money. Plane takes off and then jumps out of the plane and is never heard from or seen again. And there's just one drawing about you know the artist composite of what this person looks like and they did a really good job of making loki look like that guy and just it's just a fascinating little little touch here you know it's just it, it's very well done it was kind of like umbrella academy right when you find out that uh you know like who's on the grassy knoll <laughs> so it was uh it, it it was pretty solid so well and um you expect something like this from a show featuring vast amounts of time travel. And trickery. Like, they're giving us... Well, yeah, like, I mean, he is the god of mischief. There is going to be trickery. Uh, but very much, uh, they're giving us the the time travel trope. I mean, even if they gave us just the one flashback every episode, you know, just to give us a different whatever. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, just weird, like, you know, weird stories, uh, D.B. Cooper type stuff, and then Loki just disappears, and that explains that. Nice. Well, Loki's transformation between realizing the Infinity Gems are not the ultimate power of the universe, and watching his, like, essentially going forward and watching the rest of his life play out. Now, part of me wondered if this wasn't a shortened version like if we you know it, he could have sat there for quite some time while they were searching going through this like time travels differently in the tva you know we saw him go through it pretty quickly but theoretically he could have watched significantly more of it or perceived more of it than we're giving him credit for right and as they kind of go through and look at that uh you know his transformation really begins to set in and when Owen Wilson's character comes back into the room, when Mobius comes back in, Loki's sitting there with the Tesseract. Oh, wait. I forgot. I forgot. That's not what happens yet. Because we get our awesome fight scene with Hunter B-15. Oh, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> she, she definitely gets her comeuppance. And I don't even want to call it that because she's just doing her job. Uh, but Loki gets the the collar around her neck, and 
it was really awful for a minute. And here's the thing. I love this scene because he's playing with the thing, just throwing her back and forth in time. And she's like, stop, stop, stop it. <laughs> right. But he doesn't enjoy it like he should. Like he's like, this should be more fun. And after a while, like, you see him just throw it down on the table like, ah. <laughs> like, he's just, you know, I, I should be enjoying Because they even go out of the way to show you from the first Avengers movie, taking that dude's eye. I mean, it's one of my favorite scenes uh, in terms of, like, Loki, because you get that, like, maniacal face and, like, yeah, yeah, they're all crazy and afraid of me, like, ah. But here it's like, man, this doesn't get me high anymore. What the hell? <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and then eventually he teleports her out and he sits there by himself. And he is still sitting there when, you know, runs through his life and he's sitting off on this corner on the little ledge on the pretty much on the floor. Right. Uh, when Mobius comes in and they kind of continue the conversation that they were having earlier. You know, he says, you know, he's, look, he's got the Tesseract. It's like, you try and use it. Yeah. A whole bunch. It didn't work. So we don't know quite how long he's been sitting there. Right. But Loki's clearly defeated. Right. He's clearly defeated and he's defeated himself. And that's made really apparent when Mobius starts asking him if he, if he likes to hurt people. And Loki's response is, you know, no, I don't enjoy it. I have to do it. I have to hurt people so that they fear me. You know, and the, the line that he says here is a line that he actually delivered earlier, a cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear. And he gestures toward himself when he says the weak, right? So a cruel, elaborate well, trick uh... conjured by the weak, as he points to himself, to inspire fear and then gestures his hands outward. And well, and that explains the entirety with his frustration. I mean, to sum it up in one of my, like, you know, favorite kind of uh, moderns and koans, game recognizes game. Yeah. Like, yeah. he knew their game immediately because he's like, oh, no, this is just a bigger version of what I do. Like, I'm just a, I'm just an indie. Like, I'm a one-man show. You have an organization doing the same shit I do. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, again, you know, when we were talking about in the preview, being confronted, like, having yourself thrown at you over enough time, like, will break you down. Also, there's something um, universal about uh, cosmic bureaucracy <laughs> crushing a person. <laughs> Not everybody can be the uh, the Rick Sanchez and go out and take on their own selves and destroy themselves. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. If uh, maybe got that's the dude in the hood is Rick Sanchez Loki. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Lokiest Loki of them all. <laughs> I don't hang out with other Lokis because they're not even Loki enough to be themselves. <laughs> this is also yes. where we find out who the big bad is. The person that uh, Mobius has been tracking. The variant they're hunting is Loki. Is, it actually doesn't just say Loki, he says you, right? Which makes me wonder, would he refer to Loki as Loki? Like all Lokis are Loki? Would he call this Loki you if he was referring to another Loki? Because I got the very clear impression that they were separating them. They call him variant, right? He's not Loki. He's a variant. And Owen Wilson's character explicitly says you, which makes me think the Loki that they're chasing is the exact same Loki variant that they have in hand. That would be interesting. Um, the implications like that. of that are are pretty big. Um, again, I, I think there, it's more of a sleight of hand thing. That again, that's just me being skeptical. But if he does say you, and he means very specifically like that version of Loki, and going by their own philosophy of predestination, then this is just Mobius setting up, you know, another, you know, pawn on the the you know Mobius chess strip. Like, this is just him playing the, the the way it's supposed to be played. Like, you know, it's like, because Loki makes a good point. Uh, why aren't the Avengers here? They broke it. Like, clearly they did this stuff. And they're like, no, 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 no. See, they were meant to do that. You are not meant to do this. Um, but even that, like, I mean, to kind of go off to, uh, uh, what was it? Good Omens. I mean, 
if the plan's ineffable, then how the fuck do you know? You know, this actually made me, this is one of the most horrifying things about that little animated TVA video that they showed. Maybe you decide to conquer your, your world, or maybe you were late for work, right? Like you could end up being essentially tortured through no fault of your own. Like not because anything you did was actually wrong. It just didn't fit and needed to be pruned. Like it was strangely horrifying. Well, let's go back to the hood of figures. Their motive, their MO is obviously like uh, just to stop whatever time, you know, team, you know, to from using the the little doodad, the the time reverse. The reset bombs. Yeah, the reset bombs. And the uh, light, the energy there is purple, much like the power mm-hmm. stone. Um, but the idea I is kind of whoever the hood of figures. I thought it was like reddish orange, like a dark orange. Uh, it starts that way, but then when you see it oh, activated, God. because there's only one shot, you don't see what the effects are. But I'm a, I suspect it's nullification of reality, like the same Thanos level stuff. So you say like, you know, you're late to work, you get tied up in this. Well, no, then you're just that version of you is blipped out of existence, and other you gets to go the hell on. I mean, it's the the you know teleporter conundrum that way, right? But at the same time, um, it, it seems like the hooded figure. Uh, their MO is to stop the pruning. They want to cause chaos, which is a very God of mischief thing to do. I have to, I have to cop to that. But it looks like he's trying to let the time streams grow and intersect and bang into each other and cause chaos. And I don't think it's to end the universe, but you know, there's a larger play here. Well, and to kind of feed into yours, what better way to, if you need Loki's help to get his help than tell him you're chasing you um whether or not it is or it's probably the most motivating way to get uh, the best out of loki i mean if he's just trying to be the coach of a putting together a team to actually stop this guy that's how i would motivate loki uh vain egotistical maniac just tell him that uh we gotta we gotta track an even better version of you that might might pull the best out of him (laughs) whoa 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 no 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 a better version the hell you say i'm gonna stab that guy Pierce! <laughs> Pierce! <laughs> so one of the things that uh, we get next is this scene from 1858 in Salina, Oklahoma. And there is a fire burning a barn in the background. Or, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not a barn. Um, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. The Cherokee Orphan Asylum. Oh no, wait, no, nope, that was destroyed by fire in 1903. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but there's a f- barn burning in the background, and uh, it's the setup. And when the TVA agents get there in 1858, the barn's burning. They see it and they smell oil on the ground, right? And they find a staff from the third millennium, and you know it's a pretty cool looking staff. It almost looked like one of those. Uh, Blade Builder uh, Jedi lightsabers uh, that has the uh, uh, who were the um, the like Darth Vader's Jedi enforcers the not not executioners but from the, they're from the uh, early series of the Clone Wars right man I at any rate there's so much like there's so much Star Wars <laughs> I can't keep that talking anymore like it, it's got a small like you know. Uh, deletable file that i just refill so often uh to me it looked like one of the energy swords from halo yeah yeah but they the the concept that they threw out there was one i was kind of surprised i hadn't really heard more of the idea of going back in time right? to steal the inquisitors what? uh to go back yes sorry the inquisitors that's what it was the spinny thing oh uh, but they were saying that the uh, the time traveler was probably coming back to steal oil. And I was like, I never thought to go back in time. And like when you hear about like the, the largest gold mine deposit or the largest uh, diamond, uh, unknown diamond spot, go back in time. You know where it's at now. <laughs> like just go dig up all the diamonds and the gold and go just snag all the resources. Forget the, the, the going back and putting uh, money into Microsoft. Like, <laughs> be the only person to have gold on the planet. Like... <laughs> 
Well, and then uh, this particular hooded figure goes off the, the, the beaten path of the MO, right? Like, um, there's no stab wounds, but he sets everybody on fire. Like, they're like, oh, oil on the ground. Uh, which, you know, by the way, uh, if you're in any sort of, like, sci-fi paramilitary team uh, with armor on, and you're like, oh, this stuff's just dumb on the ground, go, leave. Like, oh, this oil here. Somebody's so messy. <laughs> like, no, you're in a trap. Who put all this kerosene on the ground? That's silly. You know, you know one of my favorite movies is Braveheart. Y'all want to talk about it? <laughs> so, um, also, uh, my going theory for the hooded figure, uh, I'm going to call it Kang. Not Loki, but Kang. So they're and, using this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Or, and this might even fit a little bit tighter, uh, Kang um, manipulating Loki. Like Loki's being one of Kang's lackeys because let's be honest, Loki's a sidekick. He even knows he's a sidekick. In his head, he's got these delusions of grandeur, but like he still has to answer to Thanos. And then he still has to answer to his big brother, et cetera, et cetera. Like, uh, yeah, no, I hate this time variance thing. And Kang's like, yeah, me too. Yeah, but like I know more about time. It's like, really? Can you, you know more about time? Yes. Would you like to help me kill these people? <laughs> I would love to kill these people. And like, especially, he just saw the video of his the last guy that he was sidekicking for ends up killing him. So he knows that he can't go back to Thanos once he gets the hell out of here. Because this is, you know, Avengers one Loki who was still like bowing the knee to Thanos to get like cool toys and stuff to try and take over places. Um, Do you think so, he yeah. sent Thanos like a two weeks after that? Like, uh, <laughs> I, I need to, I really think rethinking my career path. I'm getting more into like chrono diegetics. Um, but either way, like thanks for the experience. Uh, <laughs> Can I use you as a reference? Uh, <laughs> Uh, by the way, I don't know what you know about those Infinity Stones, but they're really not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, this scene, right, in Oklahoma does not end well for the guys. The Minuteman, the hooded figure drops the torch, lights the field on fire. The oil engulfs them all in flames. And the final Minuteman who's trying to crawl away as he's, you know, takes his helmet off and is crawling for safety, instead gets jerked by the legs off screen and we assume killed. Uh, it's not pretty. And then we go to our end credits. Now, gentlemen. He's being drugged to a massage. Right? Uh, this is a right out the gate phenomenal first episode. There is so much to plan for. We've gotten so many good drops. We've gotten a nice little uh, potential Mephisto Easter egg. You think that Kang is going to be introduced here, which is a really, you know, that, that would be a good cameo, right? Well, and they've already uh, name-checked him for the bad guy in uh, Ant-Man 3 Quantum Well, and the, the premise is that uh, we're going to get an introduction of the Fantastic Four through there as well. Because the Kang was generally a Fantastic Four bad guy. Yeah, well, I mean, and they're talking about Doom showing up and possibly showing up in, in Wakanda, and he's got the same kind of overlap there. Um, well, they apparently uh, just cast a Namor, potentially, or something. I saw some news about that yesterday. Bat Loki. Um, they're... Bat Loki. Huh? <laughs> Loki? <laughs> no, they, uh... uh... Oh, go ahead. They're filling out. They're they're filling out casts. They're they're definitely trying to 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 bulk everything up right now. There's a lot of these movies that we were expecting to hear some casting stuff about that where they're definitely throwing it in. The fact that we've already gotten um, Kang news, I, I would almost be a little surprised if we didn't get a name drop potentially by the end of Loki, if that is in fact where they're kind of heading with all of uh, the other things. We already kind of got the Doctor Strange two multiverse of madness illusion thrown at us where they kind of just said all the, the words but out of order um I, I i do feel like this is going to be doing a lot of the legwork for a lot of the other films coming up which is smart yeah i mean uh i definitely get the impression that wandavision was more of a um kind of a setup in a, in a different way where this is carrying more of the plot baggage it's like this is where you know, we're going to get stuff actually going in a lot of directions where WandaVision was the T. You know, this is the golf ball that's getting set up on that T. 
I'll buy that. Well, they've teed it up really well. I'm super excited about where the rest of this show is going. Do you guys have any final notes, predictions, or theories you'd like to throw in? Um, so Loki does make it back to 2012, uh, gets a job at a shawarma shop in New York, and goes all Tyler Durden in the Ziki sauce uh, just after the Battle of New York. Because <laughs> he's petty like that. How about you, Thick Grayson? Oh, um, I'm, I'm going to call back my one just because it's the only one I feel safe that I might be right on to point back at. I definitely want to say we're going to get some uh, new footage of Mom. It was nice seeing him kind of crying over some old... Uh, new to him but old us footage um but i i, I feel like we are going to get like a nice little heart to heart there um get I'm, I'm really interested now. in the cameos that's that's mine is i'm really interested to see what they do with that because uh you know they really upped the game with mark hamill over on the star wars side and i don't know how long they're going to let that slide over Again, on man, marvel the only, they, the they, only possible person they could bring back that's going to have that it's going to be See, Captain America, and they have to save that for the end of this. For me, it's the other way around, though. From For Star Wars, it was pulling back people we knew from way back when. For Marvel, it's going to have to be, I mean... New people? Yeah, it's going to be the Doctor Doom shows up. Not to say I think Doctor Doom showing up here, but it would be the Doctor Doom showing up in your show where you're like, oh, I was expecting Miss Marvel, and then Doom <laughs> showed up. You're like, oh, shit, Doom. Like, that would get the same amount of buzz probably as actually having a, a Mark Hamill to drop in. Wouldn't that be uh, – I, I got to tell you, one thing that they could they, – they've briefly, briefly talked about trying to work in some of the Netflix Marvel stuff and a part of me was disappointed that they hadn't worked that in with like, you know, some of the earlier films. I understand why they didn't because it was kind of in limbo. But uh, uh, Charlie, what's his name? Did a phenomenal job as Daredevil. And I would not Charlie mind Cox. seeing that dude come back in. The latest rumor I heard this morning actually was uh, Joe Barenthal possibly showing up in Moon Knight. That would make sense. Uh, reprising yeah. Punisher. I would I'd be all over that. That tracks and uh, can good. i also point out that i think this might be the most star-studded cameo heavy episode of any marvel property because we got the all the avengers from 2012 like we plus we got huge chunks of like the thor movies and ragnar i mean we got all of these cameos right i mean if we're being honest this was the most cameo heavy episode that has ever existed in the mcu other than civil war I mean, yeah, but Korg didn't show up. So, <laughs> so it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, and and they're getting to that point where they can rely a lot on previous footage and, and other things. Like the Spider-Man uh, cameo for Captain America was great. Like, you know, so you got, so you caught yourself in detention. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that was wonderful. And then, like, you know, Hannibal Burr is like, yeah, I think this guy's a war criminal now. <laughs> <laughs> but now they can kind of, you know, go back and pull existing footage of stuff and uh, broader, you know, uh, conspiracy theory in the Marvel universe. Uh, fucking Steve Rogers is on the moon. Sure. Absolutely. I believe that. The blues are. Uh, now, we are really interested in your theories. So how can our listeners get a hold of us to let us know what their theories are so we can explore them on the episode? Uh, please send all of your conspiracy theories, continuity errors, crazy ideas, headcanon, um, even like if it starts dipping into Rule 34, absolutely. Uh, you can send all of that material to uh, unifiedfantheory at gmail.com. Uh, just for clarification, the Rule 34 stuff is for my own personal edification. That <laughs> I love the way you use edification to refer to your own rusty venture. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for a fantastic episode of Unified Fan Theory. Here at UFT, we stay up way too late thinking about the same things you do, and we can't wait to hear what you've been staying up thinking about too.
Once again, I'm your host, Dr. Poppenheimer. I'm joined by Spockter Beast McCoy, and of course, our resident, Thick Grayson. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll catch you next episode. Unified Fan Theory is a production of Hinge Life Pirate Radio. And most importantly, thanks for listening and stay geeky, nerds.